What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode four of Trinity Music, a hip hop podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and I'm joined as always by my co hosts, Adam and Christian. As Trinity Music, we'll be coming to you each week with a new podcast that'll discuss everything going on in hip hop. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trinity Music Pod. And if you have comments, questions, or concerns you want to air to the podcast, you can email us at trinitymusicpod at gmail.com. Also, if you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and review us on Apple Podcasts. On today's episode, we'll take a look at the new singles from Pharrell, Jay-Z, and Travis Scott and preview Big Sean's Detroit 2. But first, we'll start with Nas's King's Disease. Okay, so this isn't a review of Illmatic, even though I feel like it should be. But let's start with King's Disease, like Aaron had mentioned. We're getting this 1994 feel, right? But we're touching on a different subject. We've had many years of growth where artists won't rap about what once was the basis of hip-hop. King's Disease does that well. I'd like to point out that I feel that this album title is somewhat of a hidden message behind it. Maybe I'm diving too deep, but I need you guys to hear me out and you're going to tell me whether or not you find it a little bizarre or if it's something that's like a cool fact. I don't know if Nas went this far in depth as I did. Who knows? So this is random, but I'm going to talk about gout for a second, which is a... I love it. <laughs> the form of complex arthritis. So I read an article, uh, historically speaking, it was sometimes called the disease of kings. Mm. So the relationship here is uh, it was blamed on overindulging on good food and booze. In this case, food and booze is the rap game. And so it was proven false in the future scientifically. So why I'm bringing this up is because Nas has been around for over 25 years. This man has been in the pool of hip hop for so long, it's like he's drowning in it. That's my correlation between the album name and Nas himself. So I thought it was an interesting reference because I dove a little bit deeper, but from Illmatic in 1994 all the way to 2020, where we get this album, I think it's safe to say that the man is now at legend status. Yeah, I, I think you touched on it correctly that uh, abundance and uh, his, his wealth as a to stature him, I guess, as a king is, is something that he talks about and is likely why the title came to be as it was. Uh, one of the other subjects I noticed that he brought up was uh, it seems like uh, people are taking away his right to uh, freedom of speech in a lot of ways, saying that he can't relate to uh, people on his level or people below him. That seems to be something that was that was pretty prevalent in the album. Because he's been in the game for too long, is there a point where we say it's too much? I mean, are we going to get this kind of musical prowess in the next five years? The man has already paved the way for so many other rappers. Is he going to throw in the towel and call it quits? Or maybe does he have the disease of kings? He just can't stop indulging. The world is yours, as he once said. Nas has slowed down his productivity over the past decade or so, and we'll, we can talk about that later on. So at this point, whenever we get a Nas record, he just has this, this sageness in his voice. I don't even know if that's a word. But there's just something about it that when he's either storytelling or dropping knowledge, he's at his best. And when he does that on this album here, the results are pretty great, whether it's a song like Car 85 that I had no idea about this before. These are basically the Uber XLs of the 80s and 90s. Mm. And the way he is able to paint a picture on that song, it's just it's so vivid. It's so clear. So at those moments, when Nas speaks, you just you you feel like he's about to say something extremely important. Now, I don't think he does that throughout the entirety of the album. There are definitely faults in the album. But for the most part, at this point, like you said, Christian, he's 25 years in. When Nas speaks, most people is like, okay, I'm definitely going to listen. Nas definitely has that that tone of voice that it, it, he just automatically gets your attention through it. 
And it's been something I've noticed since I was a kid, just by the mere fact that no matter what he says, it always sounds and feels important. And I'm just going to talk about this project as a whole. I mean, we got 13 songs. It's his 13th album. I think there's there's some correlation there. And uh, especially in modern times where you're getting like streaming numbers are the most important. Artists are dropping like 20 plus songs on their albums and then a deluxe just to keep it going. So I can really appreciate Nas uh, choosing quality over quantity in this instance. I want to back on Car 85. Uh, it has to be one of my favorite tracks off the entire album. But I feel like uh, it might have this thing uh, where it gives you the impression of being in a story. Lyrically, Nas, that's what he's doing. So as though he would create this motion picture of rapping, you can picture it through verses. So it's not safe to drive. Narcos are looking. No secret compartments in the ride, so keep pushing. We get stopped, hide it between the seat cushions, either that or just touch inside, uh, touch it inside your boot. You picture these dudes in the backseat of a cab with their loot, blue and red lights behind them, small panic, hide the stash. It's crazy. Yeah, so just to dive in a little bit more on that that early part of the record, I really did enjoy how he made this decision to essentially have no features on the first five songs. Like, yes, technically Charlie Wilson's featured on one of them, but it's essentially just background vocals. So, and then Ultra Black says it's featuring Hit Boy, but the entire album is produced by Hit Boy, and I think that was more just for because that was the lead single. I have to say, featuring Hit Boy. And in, in terms of an album experience, I really enjoy it when the first two, three, four, now five songs on album don't have any features on it because it really creates a trust between the listener and the artist that you're entering their world and they are your host so i really enjoy that as a decision on how to craft the album i like that you bring up the features actually because one of the things that stood out to me in the production of the album was that and the consistency we get from uh, hit boys production i think 10 out of 13 songs in my personal opinion are bangers for beats and that's pretty good and as features like you'd mentioned we get charlie wilson we get big sean we get don Tolliver, we get Lil dirk can someone say xxl rejects <laughs> it's just hell we get a feature from az on the track full circle we don't get these classics that often anymore them being around for such a long time brought back into the limelight drops something as solid as this it's a good feeling when you listen to this just to jump on the the production talk uh, i would just say this album is like a modern spin on classic Nas in the sense that you're, you're still getting those tones of soul and jazz elements but you're getting like this kanye production on top uh, i was getting college dropout uh, was what came to mind when listening to the album and i, I think hip boy really hit the hit the nail on the head with that one i think for the most part the production is pretty consistent and i actually kind of it's kind of it's again it's another nice touch in terms of where you decide to put a song on an album Spicy is does not sound like anything else on this album. It's basically a trap song. But I guess they were smart enough to know that this song will probably be one of the more popular ones. So let's just put it as a bonus track so it doesn't ruin the integrity of the sound that Nas and Hip Boy put together for the first 35 minutes. And then it's also kind of cool to see the three different generations of New York hip hop between Nas, ASAP Ferg, who we haven't heard from in a while. So it was really nice to hear him on it. And then Fivio came through with just an incredible verse that maybe my expectations of Fivio are just extremely low that I was blown away by his verse, but I really enjoyed it. So yeah, the, the idea of putting Spicy as a bonus track there at the end, separate from the rest of the production, so it doesn't destroy the meld and the sound that was created for the first 12 songs. I don't think we could go wrong with Hit Boy uh, in terms of the production. He He's delivered us hits like Paris, Off Watch the Throne, Click, Trophies, you get my idea. One of my favorite songs on the album was definitely 27 Summers. I'm not sure if like this might be me nerding out a little bit, 
but it seems to be a, a play on words. It's been exactly 27 summers since he's dropped his first album, Illmatic. And it's also some sort of play with the uh, the 27 club where a lot of famous artists seem to die before 27. And uh, I'm curious what your guys' favorite songs were on the album. Adam, I love that you brought that up because it's exactly my thoughts. The, the whole mm-hmm. 20 summers deals since uh, he had dropped, what was it, Illmatic you mentioned? Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Dude. Uh, it fit in so well. Okay, so I don't want to be uh, the party pooper here, but this is not a perfect album. So I do need to touch on some of the, I can't wait. the lower points. And it, and it starts right after actually 27 Summers. So it kind of actually fit. Mm. This middle part of the album that starts with Replace Me and probably goes till full circle. So that's track six through 10. Although the definition full circle I'm more okay with. It's track six, seven, and eight that I'm not such a big fan of. Yeah, my issue with this is I, I well, first of all, and we'll, we're going to talk about Big Sean later in the podcast, but this is a terrible verse from Sean. Like, mm-hmm. I found Don Tolliver did a pretty good job on his hook. And then Sean's verse just is, it's really low bad. effort. Low effort. So, and then I, I'll, I'll stop talking right after this, but Till the War is One and All Bad. So, the three of those songs there, I just found it so odd that the placement of The War is One because it's it's sandwiched between two like basically breakup songs and then till the war is one is all about how women are the strong part of the kings right all every king needs a queen so i just it was weirdly contradictory that in in one song Nas is talking down a little bit on his ex-girlfriend or fiance or or wife whoever he's supposed to be talking about i've seen it some of it might be him talking about Kali some of it might be talking about Nicki Minaj and then there's the middle song there with Till the Wars one with Lil Durk, who like I, I really would rather not have had on this song and <laughs> he has some pretty bad lines on it too. Where like uh I'm talking where we're from, we carry Max, but no computers. Mm-hmm. Like I, I could have done without that. So I just I thought it was again mostly that I'm pretty good on this album, but that middle third there kind of it, it kind of lo- was a pretty big lull for me. Actually, since you just brought it up, I'd love to know what do you, how do you compare the Dirk feature on this versus on Drake's uh, song? Yeah, uh, because it's so much shorter on the Drake song. The Drake, the one on the Drake song is better. Really? I just yeah, and the keyword bearable. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It was more bearable on the Drake one because it was so much shorter, and I and mm-hmm. I generally do think it's a better verse on the Drake track. Here, it's just again along with this one and the Big Sean like verse. Those were not particularly good features and even anderson pack for some reason usually when pack is on a song he completely steals the show and even here i feel like he can get out of like second gear haven't you noticed this trend with rappers dropping songs that dive deep into past relationships the enjoyment of life and what they've lost over the years i mean whether it be friends family etc i mean i feel like this is a reoccurring trend and it keeps on coming in and maybe it's that emo side of rap that we're seeing i i don't know what do you guys think yeah, it could be. I don't see Nas very much diversifying. It could be the the features on them kind of drawing it into that that area. But just replace me as a whole. I think we we saw we all saw the track list and we were all a bit like uh, weary of what was going to be with a Travis and Don Tolliver song with a Nas on it. I, I can't say I hate the song. I just it it would have taken a lot for this to have been great. I guess, and if it would have been great, it would have been amazing. It just it doesn't seem like it seems. Like they just chop this all together. It doesn't. It doesn't flow right. It, there's. It's not right for me. So I want your guys' opinion on Ultra Black since it was the single drop, and I mean, I thought it was pretty awesome. Good flow of hip hop, powerful lyrics, amazing beat. In terms of like lyrically, 
I'm not 100% sure, but there's a lot of small references to the song, The World is Yours. If you pay attention to when he says, my son will be my resurrection, he also touches on that years years ago. And, and I quote, my strength, my son, the star will be my resurrection. So that just like hits you in the feels, especially from a classic. And if you're a Nas fan from back in the day, Illmatic, Stillmatic, I feel like this is an important aspect of the song. Yeah, generally, I think it was a pretty good song. I mean, I my favorite part of it is the snare drum which somehow it feels like the quintessential sound of 90s hip hop how it it's just it's it's kind of not it's a little muted a little cushioned so just hearing that immediately it's a song that I know I'm going to like and yeah I applaud the subject matter for for the for the majority of this record a lot of it it's it's pro black it's about uh speaking up and being a king and and being with your queen so there's a lot of a lot of stuff to be very positive on it there's the, there's obviously the doja cat line which I, yeah i don't i don't i'm not sure how much i would w- i want to talk about that I'll, I'll be honest i don't really know much about doja cat i know she mm-hmm. has uh, a popular song from earlier this summer but yeah, in general ultra, ultra black was a nice moment i i thought mentioning doja cat was probably the worst decision in the song especially it's on the chorus of the lead single it's not i understand the standpoint and it, it draws a lot of attention it's like clickbait in some ways but it felt disingenuous having Nas do it he doesn't need to it brings more light to the situation than is needed i i think that was where he dropped the ball on that for sure but the topic matter for sure i was i was a fan of 100 percent as jordan mentioned ultraback really does hit it on with the i guess you could say togetherness because he he mentions no matter what your race to me we are all black which you know you can respect because at the end of the day we're just people and there's so much discrimination and it's sad this is a touchy subject i won't go into it but nos is out there trying to deliver a message in the best way he possibly can i guess my my last point on this album here and it's and again it's it's and generally again i like this album i guess it's because nas is in his mid-40s and it's weird to hear a man in his mid-40s being a little petty about relationships again like he brings up at many points that you know a king needs a queen but then he has a line where and it's on the the title track where he says you know say less when i speak i'll estrogen speak so it's just this moment here where it's dichotomy of him at one point saying you know women are the most important part of our lives and then he has lines like that that are very much using women as an insult to another man so it's just these moments of inconsistency when he talks about either relationships or women that I, I found a little off-putting. And again, it's not might not be his fault because you know he's in his mid-40s and a rapper like him talking about love might just not sound super organic. Just because you mentioned it as far as discussing his relations, that's actually one of the it's it's related to one of my least favorite parts on the album. And in older artists doing hip hop currently now, and I really want to get your opinion on it. Nas does it a few times on the album. One being, uh, he says, first, good morning, good night. Now she leaves me on red. Or when he brings up girls hitting the woe, which is a TikTok dance. It's a lot of like, old. you get older artists sprinkling these like lines of, from music, lines in their music to try and sound hip and, and, and relevant. And Jay has done it. M has done it. It just, to me, comes off disingenuous and it really breaks the immersion in the song. And I, I want to know what you guys think about that. Feel like he's just bringing up what we use in the 21st century like left left him on red off messenger tiktok with this big new fad on the internet it's it's crazy i don't know i don't i feel like it doesn't necessarily fit in rap all right and then i just want to hit on what we what we've had from nas basically from this last decade i think we can divide nas's career up into three points there's the first six or seven years with illmatic all the way up till about 2000 and then we have 
Stillmatic through about the Untitled album in 2008. And then since then, we've had essentially only three albums, solo albums, of course, where it was Life is Good, Nazir, and now King's Disease. And in this most recent phase here, again, he's been more patient with putting out his music. The Nazir album is a little bit weird. For the most part, I think I would put King's Disease probably second below Life is Good. And last point before I pitch it to you guys, at this point, I think Nas operates in a similar space to Eminem where... If he puts out a good to a pretty good album, we should just champion it because of their longevity that these guys are in the third decade of their career and are still putting out music that is somewhat popular and somewhat successful and moderately uh, acclaimed by critics. The album delivers. I can't complain. I find it delivers more than the 2018 title, Nazir, because it's sitting at seven tracks of okay not terrible music it's safe to say that in 2018 the album was far from done and yeah i think yeah just on on nazir that's basically a kanye album if we're all being honest about that mm-hmm. like yeah kanye i think kanye appears on at least one maybe even two of the songs and i think when when dj khaled inf- infamously said nas album done i'm 90 percent sure he wasn't talking about nazir because it feels like that album was just made on a whim so yeah, it's almost weird to think about Nazir at all in, in Nas's discography. It's a much more linear line I can draw between Life is Good and King's Disease, whereas Nazir is just kind of an outlier, I find. I hope this is closing a chapter on Nas's rap career. I, I respect the hustle, being a legend in this game for over 25 years. Sometimes, though, there's a period where a man has to take a decision and say enough is enough. Listen, Logic did it. He's no Nas, but it's an example that holds true. Yeah, I think his music production is going to generally slow down. I don't think it's going to be like even at this rate, any anywhere between one and three years, it could be anything. Uh, I will say I enjoyed this album. I'll be returning to it. I want to see how it how it fares in in the long term. It has potential for sure. And in other news, that's extremely surprising. Jay Z dropped a song, guys. Who would have thought that Nas drops and Jay Z quickly follows follow his suit? Surely this can't be something that has been going on since 2001 consistently. <laughs> All jokes aside, though, this is really a Pharrell song featuring Jay. But I, I find it quite ironic how Hope is still keeping this, this jab game he's going with Nas going. He's so damn petty. <laughs> Mr. Petty. Like, it's, 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 I get just to touch on that quickly. Like, yeah, you're talking about, I think you shared it with us earlier this week, the fact that American Gangster dropped on the same day as Nas's Greatest Hits album and Mm-hmm. Collision Chorus that he did with Linkin Park dropped on the same day as Street Disciples. And of course, and this one, I think those are very intentional and Stillmatic and his Unplugged album dropping on the same day. That's also like pretty hilarious. The fact that he's still doing this like 15 years after or 10 years after their beef has ended is, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's just like poking him. I don't know how like cool these guys are, but. Yeah, I was actually going to say, I bet these mm-hmm. guys are just calling each other up saying, hey, dude, just drop the song tomorrow. Ah, I don't know. Nas just did an interview today with The Breakfast Club, and he basically completely denies that this is even happening. He he literally said they they quoted they gave him like almost every example of it, and he was like, ah, no, it's quite it's a crazy coincidence. I'm just like, I don't know, buddy. I don't think so. Where did God Jay Z's got him on speed dial saying, hey, dude, just do this for me, please. I think this is a step towards ending that though, because it's it's been like slowly dwindling from like albums matching albums. Now it's like singles matching albums. I think this is like the push towards ending that that meme. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's pretty funny. I don't know. Good for, good for Jay for for keeping up this yeah, trend and, and bringing fun. in Pharrell on this. 
for the song itself, I'll say uh, the best thing this song has going for itself. There are two things. One is the message in the song, but primarily it is the production. The really nice bass guitar rhythm is fantastic. I applaud, uh, like I said earlier, the subject matter on the song, especially the music video. If you get a chance to watch it, it has cameos from people like Issa Rae and Tyler, the creator, and it has it highlights so much Black entrepreneurship that it's something to really appreciate. Then the negatives of this song, well, first will be Pharrell's whispering doesn't work for me at all on the song. And like the only positive part about it is that when he whispers, I get to hear the bass line a little bit better, which like I mentioned is like my favorite part of the song. So that works for it. And then obviously the extremely repetitive refrain of Black Man tires me out throughout the entirety of the song. There are two instances where it just goes on for seemingly forever. It's about a minute and 40 seconds of a four minute and 10 second song where the only words you hear are black man. I'm not sure if like Pharrell was trying to like rig the SEO on this here where (laughs) like he was just like, how can I get this to pop up on as many like Google searches as possible? What if I just say the word over and over and over again until Mm -hmm. it just rigs it? I don't know. I will say I'll compare this song in a weird way to Untouchable by Eminem. When that song came out, no one knocked what Eminem was trying to say everyone knocked how he executed it i think the song is really similar it's a wonderful message to put out there but my god the execution was bad and i don't think we really needed a jay-z feature on this either before i jump into my thoughts i just want to point out what you mentioned about feral whispering his verses the one thing that i think he's trying to do and again i might be diving way too deep into this but i feel as if it's imitating fear from those suffering today hiding from racial injustice and oppression like when you're whispering to somebody are you doing it out of secrecy are you doing it out of fear there's so much that could go with that that's that's the impression i got now going back to the track i feel as though this track not be listened to without the video the video is so deep full of passion and motivation it inspired me and i'm sure it'll inspire anybody who watches it and properly pays attention to it with all the black Lives matter stuff going on uh having something as powerful as this coming out is great i loved all the entrepreneurs shown in the video the respect for nipsey too you can't forget that some of the things that stood out to me the most were like the vegan soul food called uh, my two cents uh, with a picture of Obama. And then God, of course, the 86 investors that refused to invest into a, um, it was, a, I guess, a cookie company called Denise Wood, uh, Woodard. And discreetly you get, except Jay-Z, because, you know, Jay-Z being a man of business at the same time, but he's also supporting black entrepreneurship. So it kind of fits in. Yeah, the messaging on this song is, it's incredible. Like you said, from a visual standpoint, they go hand in hand and it's its all around extremely powerful and it's good. I enjoyed it. The song, like I said, touches on a lot of, a lot of important uh, topics in today's world, like the system, systematic disadvantages people of color face. And I think one of the most important things is also that Jay-Z brings up is how to vote with your dollar, like choosing who you spend money with versus giving it to Gucci and Louie, who, who isn't helping your community or the culture. It, it's really an important message. and I'm glad he at least brought that up. Yeah. So and, then, and this goes in with Pharrell's on the cover of a Time magazine. So that's more likely the reason why this came out at this time. Mm-hmm. rather than uh, Jay's pettiness over Nas. Maybe a bit of both. Yeah, it might be. I think it couldn't have hurt. Maybe maybe Jay-Z pushed it up a week or two for mm-hmm. uh, for Pharrell there. 
I mean, if we're talking about Jay-Z specifically, the man is at a point in his life where maybe he has nothing else left to accomplish in terms of this rap game. So he's got fortune, family, and anything else that we strive for naturally in life. So he's focusing on what's at hand, you know, COVID-19, the Black Lives Matter movement. Maybe he decided to shift his focus towards something that could make a bigger difference in the world, especially with the scenario that we're living in. He makes reference to his entrepreneurship, even in his verse where he says, sip and crip a cola, consumer and an owner till we are all vertically integrated from the floor up. Cripacola is a black-owned soda brand. Basically, he's referencing out to the fact that he's also an owner of some liquor brands. Yeah, bringing up extremely important topics, especially nowadays where we're living in a world where we have incidents like what happened to George Floyd and uh, Breonna Taylor. I think having voices as strong as Pharrell and Jay-Z in light of this, like bring, or sorry, bringing light to this community and how far people have come is, is adm- admirable and important. So one more thing I want to bring up is that uh, I read in Times Magazine on on their website, not in the actual magazine, uh, by Pharrell Williams. America's past and present are racist. We deserve a black future. So this is a a text that he wrote himself. And he speaks about the history where it all began from the 1600s, where America would become an economic landmine because of the market for human trafficking, specifically speaking about people from Africa. He proceeds to talk about enslavement, the evil behind human slavery. It's really heavy. In the text, he drops something deep too. I quote, this is a place I call home. He's clearly talking about the present, how there is still oppression, and even uh, in the events of the future, how will all of this change? Uh, I quote again, amid so much injury, how do we begin to heal? And so he talks about creating a vision of a future filled with artists, creators, entrepreneurs, a way of moving forward, he says, trusting in a black vision of the future. So this was dropped on the 20th of August, right before the release of the song. So they go hand in hand. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. They're covering similar topics, and that's really important. Uh, I'm just going to say one thing. It's a, it's a lighter note, I guess we can end this, this, this review on. Uh, one thing I wanted to know if either of you picked up on was at the beginning of the song, you hear this repetitive ad lib of like a wolf sound, like a dog, I guess. And it repeats constantly. And it sounds like it was taken directly out of Migos' Stir Fry song. And I'm, I'm curious, I guess, if either of you picked that up. Oh, no, I didn't actually notice. Another song that came out this week was The Plan by Travis Scott, which is part of the new Christopher Nolan movie, Tenet. This song is actually, once you hear it, you can definitely see how it was made specifically for a movie. And the fact that it also dropped with uh, an extended trailer of the movie and basically the song is played throughout. It's almost a music video for the song. It weirdly sounds a lot like something you would have heard off of the Tron Legacy soundtrack for, that was made entirely by Daft Punk. And then Christopher Nolan told GQ that Scott's contribution was the final piece of a year-long puzzle to put this together, which I find a little bit weird. Maybe he's talking specifically for the promotion of the record and of the movie, I should say. But it, generally, I do find in terms of Scott's performance, like it's fine. It sounds like a much more cinematic version of Butterfly Effect or Highest in the Room. What do you guys think? I don't really know where to go with this. Unfortunately, it's hard to say which directions Travis Scott is kind of aiming his music towards. I mean, I feel like over the years, he's changed drastically, but he's still trying to give us that sort of unique sound Travis has always given us. We've grown to love and care for, but I find the plan just fits that blockbuster style movie clip we all here on say tv or before we go into a, uh, to watching an actual movie i mean you'll get something out of an epic trailer for say resident evil or a sci-fi movie or an action movie it felt pretty bland 
Yeah, I mean, you, you both kind of touched on it, but sonically speaking, you can tell this song was made for a movie, which is obviously the case. I'll, I will say that Travis is probably a big enough artist. No, not probably. Is definitely a big enough artist to where when he's making music, if even it's, if it's for a movie, it's going to be on his own terms. He's not going to have any input from them, I don't think. And especially from the trailer, it definitely seems like they incorporated it. And like you said, it's basically a music video. Uh, the beat though, it's it's got these deep, heavy, pulsating. I don't know if it's a bass or drum, but it really it, it. And then you have Travis harmonizing and crying over it. It's it's really an eerie tone. Yeah, it sounds like a really distorted bass. That's what it sounds like to me. And then yeah, Travis is to continue on Travis's performance. It sounds um a little bit like he's on autopilot, and he gets this way every now and then. Like I mentioned earlier with the song like Butterfly Effect, it feels like it's a song that never gets out of first gear, even though it's extremely popular. It's Similar like this, I guess the the more dramatic tone on the beat makes it sound like he's going a little bit harder than he actually is. And on Birds, Travis's second album, he has a lot of these sounds, but I guess he just did it in such a unique way that the mood was so well kept in that album that it worked for a whole 55 minutes or however long that album is. But beyond that, since then, when he's tried to recreate these types of songs, like I mentioned earlier, Bird Butterfly Effect, highest in the room and now a little bit this but even though it's a little more derivative of it it doesn't quite work maybe because they're one-off singles like butterfly effect doesn't fit at all in World, and highest in the room was released as a solo thing and then became part of the jack boys ep so it was just, it's weird that these songs like travis keeps making these songs but they haven't at least for me they haven't quite hit the same way birds hit but part of that might just be because it's not part of a more large group of work yeah, I think you're, you're you're touching on some right points there in the sense that it, it doesn't sound like he's putting a crazy amount of effort into this, and maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I will say, to me, Travis's performance on this, it gave me a lot of Jesus like vibes just in the way he does the chorus and the hook. It sounded like, to me, it was ripped directly out of there. Oh, yeah. uh, not, obviously, nothing too shockingly there because he worked on Jesus, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I actually, uh, I kind of see your point. Uh, I wasn't going to go with uh, Birds or Jesus for the fact is just... I was comparing it to Astro World since it's the closest thing we've got. And unfortunately, we got nothing since it's pretty straightforward, the song. There's no beat switch up like three quarters of the way through Astro World songs. Mm-hmm. I think he's dwelling deeper into like the financial aspect of his rap. So, you know, being an entrepreneur himself at this point, he's mostly liking, most likely finding places to invest his talent. And this could be it. I mean, Christopher Nolan has a crazy track record. He's got the Batman series with Christian Bale, Inception, Man of Steel, Dunkirk. Yeah, he definitely got a big bag for that, I'm sure. And as far as the movie trailer goes, I'd say they incorporate it really nicely. The song goes good for like these fight montages and like it it fit perfectly. You can definitely tell that they made the video around the song. Another song that dropped this week was Big Sean's Deep Reverence featuring Nipsey Hussle. And we'll eventually loop this into a preview of Sean's upcoming album, Detroit 2. But for the song itself, interestingly, another hit boy beat. So the man is basically sponsoring this episode of the podcast. <laughs> It is a decent beat build slowly into the Nipsey verse and Nipsey has, you know, RIP. I wish he was still here. It it hurts to hear, you know, we've done this podcast now for a little bit and we've had to talk about Mac Miller. We've talked a little bit about Juice World now and Nipsey. His verse here, I mean, it's an an incredible one. I love his line. uh, I was birthed in a C-section referencing both um, his gang um, relations and how you could be born out of a (laughs) C-section. Um so yeah, no, I really appreciated Nipsey stuff. Uh, and then Big Sean just unloads emotionally throughout this entire verse. And 
we can go any which way you guys want to, whether it's the Kendrick line, the fact that he claims that he had lost uh, a child. I, I need a little bit more confirmation on that. And of course, talks about suicide and anxiety. So generally, love the song, sets up the album really nicely. What'd you guys think? I'm just going to easily start this off by saying Nip is doing more from the grave than a lot of rappers are doing alive right now. Truth. I, I know that's a hard hitting, but he, he okay. And this is an easy pull because we did it last episode. Dirk, 110 songs on Drake's uh, feature. Nipsey, 100, 100, or sorry, yes, 110 words on Drake's feature. Nipsey does 116 on this one, and you can tell the absolute difference. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Big time. That's actually a really nice comp there. Uh, basically the same amount of stuff. And it, it felt like Dirk's verse was so short that there was a, a petition going around. And this mm-hmm. Nipsey verse is just, it's so perfectly made to like lead off this song. It was fantastic. The whole like anxiety battle that Sean seems to be expressing throughout the song is actually pretty heavy. I mean, I wasn't expecting this much, but you can hear it in his lines. He says, damn, I realized all my setbacks were inside of me. In high school, I learned chemistry, biology, but not how to cope with anxiety or how I could feel like I'm by myself on an island with depression on all sides of me. Man, that's that's another level. And it's coming from Big Sean, who's lyrically inclined to deliver gold and at the same time just flows so well over every single track you hit this and it hits in the heart dude it's it's heavy uh yeah i'm already a huge big sean fan it's no secret but i think this is like a demonstration of his glow up and it's it's really impressive he he is a verse on the song but it sounds like he did a verse a hook and two more verses after it like he does he changes like three to four flows it's definitely one of the most personal i think you just touched on it christian most personal and real songs that Sean sean has done in a while uh, he's dropping so much knowledge from the pressure he feels in his day-to-day life, family issues, uh, the loss of a son, depression, suicide. It's it's incredible how much he got done in such a good and all-around great-sounding song. In general, I find Big Sean has two flaws as a rapper. One is he is known for the occasional corny bar. Mm-hmm. And the second is that he can at times lose the beat and his flow gets all messed up. He strays away from both on this. And the one I was, I mean, I wasn't worried about the corny bar on this song because it's, and it's weird that we just talked about his guest hook, uh, guest feature on the Nas album that had tons of corny lines. But then on this one, he's so laser focused. I, I didn't even have to think about the corny lines. What impressed me really here was with the beat and how it evolves and Sean's flow that he he moves it around a little bit, but he never quite lets go and he doesn't lose the moment which I think he could have. Like there are times when Big Sean is, and we can start maybe going into the the album in a second. There are times where Big Sean it just starts rapping in a way that the beat doesn't match, and and they can you can think back to a lot of songs really on like Dark Sky Paradise or Hall of Fame where this happens. He's gotten better with it over the years, but he was just so good on this album for keeping his flow tight. And when he changed it, he changed it for a little bit just to keep things exciting, keep things interesting. And then he would bring it back. So I really applaud him for that. Yeah, I can absolutely agree with that analysis. And just because you brought up the beat, I want to highlight it because I found this beat to be like super crazy. I've, I Like similar in the vein that Travis's song, you get like this 90s. It's like I'm picturing in a movie, like a late night middle of the street fight or something like that. I'm picturing like the, ca- the karate kid when Daniel's like biking home and the gang pulls up and ri- throw him off his bike and stuff. And like it was, yeah, it was really great. 
All right, so then I mentioned it a little bit earlier. There is a line here about Kendrick, which Sean had cleared the air a little bit about this in an interview he did with Joe Budden in the winter, I forget, Mm -hmm. February or March, that he had somewhat cleared the air with Kendrick, but now he put it on wax. So it's nice to hear it. Nice to hear that they, they made up and whatever confusion. I'm not sure if I believe it entirely, even though I want to take Sean on his word. It's, I would still need to know who no more interviews is about. And I would still need to know who the heart part four is about, but in general, it's, it's good to hear that two of the artists uh, at the top of their game are, are cool. I feel like in the rap game, people tend to stir up beef. Like it's part of their record deals. Sean being the man he is, even though the beef did last a while with Kendrick, he made the move and approached the man and tried to settle, settle this, you know, life events come into play it can really happen to anybody. And he says it in the lines, lack of communication. So sometimes that happens. Yeah, for sure. A lot of rappers like Kanye, I think does it the most where he creates these scenarios in his head where everybody's out to get him. And it just creates this beef that doesn't even exist. I think the internet has a lot of play in that because the comment sections, they're going along with it. They want to stir controversy. Cause like you get a Drake back to back and it's the best thing ever kind of thing. But I will give Sean credit, like bringing up the deading of the beef is it's, a great example of him maturing past all that like it's not worth it it's just it's i get it it's all jabs and it's fun but he's looking at it as if like what happens if kendrick dies tomorrow and i never got a chance to to squash the beef so not only does he does do that but he puts it on wax and to me that's like ultimate boss moves and i respect it like he says from people fueled by their ego it's like mixing flames with diesel Terrible line, though, because diesel and a flame won't do anything, but we'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah I get you. It's just, got, <laughs> I just say gasoline instead. Gasoline burns way better. Whatever. That doesn't rhyme then, though. Yeah, Problem. but it's, just but it's factually incorrect. It's factually incorrect now. So look, it's, it's mean, nothing like it's nothing like Lil Yachty's. She blew uh, cello. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, listen. Oh, it's God. nowhere near as bad as that it's line. That, that is Yachty is forever inducted in the hall of fame of crap lines uh, for that. Who, who is Yachty? But anyways, so let's the transition here to looking at the Detroit two album, which is set to drop on September 4th. So in about a week and a half. Mm-hmm. And I think the relevance of the title of the album here is crucial. This is Detroit two. It is the follow-up to his 2012 mixtape Detroit. And I know I'm not alone in saying this when I say Detroit uh, sorry, the Detroit mixtape was a record that changed my perception of Big Sean. Up until then, he was not really taken, at least for me, not really take him seriously as a rapper. He was this pop-centric guy who hung around Kanye and had songs like My Last and Marvin and Chardonnay. And was, everything was very light and easygoing around him. And then he dropped the Detroit mixtape, and it completely changed my opinion of him. And I was re-listening to it this morning, and I forget how many of those. There's just so many great songs like 24 Carats of Gold, 100, which features Kendrick Lamar, and an incredible feature versus some Royce, which we'll leave for later. Uh, and then there's other songs like Once Bitten, Twice Shy. And there's just so many strong moments on that album that for me, at that point on, I was fully bought into the Big Sean experience. Yeah, Detroit was definitely the equivalent to J. Cole's The Come Up or The Warm Up, depending on when, I guess, you you came along to Cole. It was a a proof of concept, I guess you want to say. Like, you can now take all this possible potential and put it into a project and actually deliver on it. And I think now's a great time for, like, just off this single, I already can tell that this is going to be most likely the most mature, probably most tactical album that Sean's going to drop to date. 
I have some thoughts to share and I want you guys to weigh in on this because I kind of did some research behind it. I'd be excited to see this. So because the production is going to be basically Hit Boy and Kanye West. Is that confirmed? I think he mentioned it in an interview. Um, I hmm. I don't have the source offhand, but uh, guaranteed Hit Boy, that's for sure. But I mean, he's part of, part of good music, right? So having Kanye there kind of fits the part. No choice. Exactly. But what okay. I want to get on here is... Uh, I feel, I don't know why, but I get this impression that we're going to get an Eminem feature off this guaranteed. Yeah. If you think about No Favors, and he had a tweet back in the day that said, count me in for the Detroit Connection. Honored to be part of No Favors with Big Sean off his new album. It, it makes perfect sense. He's, it's got to be there. I'm super excited to hear what it's going to be like because No Favors is amazing. Interesting, because uh, we don't have to relitigate Eminem's 2017 because it was terrible. <laughs> I really didn't like that Eminem feature. Big Sean is incredible on No Favors and kind of holds his own. Eminem is has a pretty me- mediocre verse. Um, but that said, Eminem has been much more active and much better the past couple of years. So him coming in for a feature here. And I'll be interesting to see with the album called Detroit. I'm wondering how many actual Detroit rappers are going to get on it. Are we going to get a payroll? Are we going to get a Boldy James? It'll be interesting to see what we get. Yeah, Eminem's performance aside, I can absolutely guarantee there's going to be a feature. I hope it's good. I'm not. I'm not sure, but I think there's going to be a lot of Detroit features on this for sure. If uh, if you, I don't know if you guys, either of you guys watched the Detroit Two trailer you put out way back in March. He hinted at actually a bunch of different collaborations from Post Malone to Lil Wayne to Young Thug. And actually, if you mm. watch that trailer close enough and you slow it down to the extent that I slowed it down, oh boy, you can actually see at one point the track list, at least part of it. Oh, and I. Deep Reverence is on there as track 10 or track 11. And on that list, there were 16 spots. Now, I think we saw you see tracks like 8 through 14 are named, and then there was no names for 15 and 16 or something along those lines. So that'll be interesting. It's weird that they left that little detail in there. And the fact that Deep Reverence became essentially the first single off this album, like puts a lot of credence to that notion that there could be up to 16 songs on this upcoming album. It's kind of like an Easter egg. If you go and take a look on Genius's website, they actually have a track list set up right now. It's probably based off of that video, honestly. And there's one more thing about the Detroit mixtape. It's along with Live Love ASAP. It's uh, a, just it's criminal that these mixtapes are not on any streaming services. I completely agree. agree. Like, the, oh fact that I, the fact that I have that to go to Piff. that Piff. Oh my it, God. Like, and I, I can't even know. play it. I have to download it. Their player doesn't work. Get your together. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, an, I'm not in high school together with an iPod, guys. Like that's uh, what I'm saying. Update your trying to stream. Come yeah. on. Do you guys think that we'll get the uh, single Berserk on this album? I kind of hope it doesn't. I don't feel like it fit. Yeah. So in the age of streaming, the answer would be absolutely hell yeah. We're getting Berserk. We're getting yeah. single again, and we're getting probably even overtime on this bonus. At least uh, as like yeah, like a bonus deluxe thing. I was hoping for some unique music coming in. Well, not unique. Well, that's coming. New tracks, you know, not stuff that's been sitting over our streaming services. Well, I think he will. I think they'll be on there, but they'll be, like Adam said, like some bonus tracks. So there'll be tracks like 16, 17, and 18 just to, to boost those streaming numbers and get mm-hmm. that album platinum or at least gold. Yeah, right away for sure. All right. So like the Drake album, we're just going to do a quick little over under here to see uh, – see how we're feeling about the album uh, some little quirks things here and there. And then again, in two weeks when we do our album review, we'll see who was right and who was wrong. So my first over under here is very straightforward over under 0.5 Kendrick Lamar features on this album. Basically I'm saying, are we getting a Kendrick feature on Detroit too? Hmm, that's a really tough question. I'm going I'm, with I'm, under. I'm going to go with under as well. Unfortunately, wow. I'm sad to say it. 
just because they settled the beef doesn't mean he's going to come for a feature. Yeah, they have. I mean, they have worked in the past a little bit, I guess. They did 100 back in 2012. And of course, Control, which I think was in 2013, because that was supposed to be on the Hall of Fame album. So there's a bit of a track record with them working in the past. So that'd be interesting. I'm going to take the over. I'm extremely optimistic and hope these guys are buddy buddy again that we at least get a Kendrick 16 on it. Also because like we're just starved for Kendrick Lamar at this point. Agreed. I hope you're right. Honestly, I hope you're right. (laughs) I I need it. We're going with facts here. It just feels like it's not going to be there. But if if you're right about this, then I will eat my words. No problem. I'll I'll eat Christian's words. (laughs) All right. So then the the second over under I have here is over under 0.5 top 10 billboard songs on this album. So a little bit of context here. So just some background on that. Big Sean has only had two songs as a as a solo artist get into the top 10 of uh, the Billboard Hot 100. That would be uh, Dance with Nicki Minaj and, of course, Bounce Back uh, from the I Decided album. So what do you guys think? Over, under, is he getting at least one song in the top 10? I'll be on the over on this one. I, I, I feel it. I think he's there. I, I, I'm optimistic as you were. I think he's got it. Uh, I'm going under again, boys. I don't know. Oh Interesting. Christian, yep. low expectation. Just for that, he's going to get the Kendrick feature. Go number one. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. I'm going to destroy you on <laughs> one shot. If I can, be hard. I'm being negative about this right now, and you, the, the output is freaking positive, then by all means, I'm not going to complain. Mm-hmm. So if it is a Kendrick feature, I will go out and say that that Kendrick feature will be the top 10 song in the first week. The best comparison for that would be when Kendrick was featured on Carter 5 on Mona Lisa, that song debuted at number two. So mm-hmm. there's there's definitely a through line here that if we get the Kendrick feature, we might get the top 10 track as well. And then my my final over-under here before we get out of here is two and a half Detroit mixtape references. So this could be something along the lines of like uh, Moolah Part 2. Do we get a reference to his verses on Once Bitten, Twice Shy, where he reminisces about them? Do we get another Royce the Five Nine feature? So how basically I'm asking how connected will this sound to the Detroit mixtape? So two, over under two and a half references to the previous album. For sure, I feel like there's going to be some kind of sample from the original mixtape and just going into more songs. To me, this feels like it's fitting, and if he doesn't do it, then I will be upset. I'm going to join you in the over on this. I, I'm hopeful if we can get another Royce feature. I'm ecstatic. That was one of my favorites on, on the previous, on the mixtape. Uh, yeah, I'm on the over. Yeah, I'll take the over as well. It's interesting that the the cover art is completely different than what we got on Detroit. Like the Detroit cover is basically, it's mirrored in the Dark Sky Paradise. Whereas the cover for Detroit 2 at least looks a little bit more hopeful, I find. We're talking about an, a mature and adult now, kinged up, donned up, whatever you want to call it, Sean. So I, I think we're moving on. Don is back. All right. Well, I think that's about all the time we have for today. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trinity Music Pod. Also, spread the word of the pod to your family, your friends, your barber, or your pet bird anyone that'll listen to you, even if they might not tell them anyway, we'll see you next week.